You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome into the latest episode of the Five Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick. This is typically where I say, as always, with Chris Whittingham, but Chris is on vacation this week. He'll be back next week to record our usual three episodes. I'm going to introduce my co-host for today in a second. Now that you've found the podcast, make sure you hit the subscribe or follow button on your favorite podcast provider. Just want to mention also, I don't think a lot of people realize this, we are on Spotify, so you can find us there as well as Podbean, Google Play, iTunes, and all of the other podcast apps. Also, if you're not aware of it, we've been announcing on the At Five Reasons Sports account. We've got a new website that's coming out actually two two weeks from this recording. It's fivereasonsports.com. It's going to be free, unlike the newspapers. We've got more than 10 columnists who are going to be on there. We'll have all of your South Florida sports content. We're credentialed with all five of the major teams. We'll also have all of our podcasts there and video merchandise and everything else. Check out the other podcasts in our network. And one of those podcasts is Miami Heat Beat. And when I needed a co-host for this episode, I don't think he's actually been on this podcast. Um, the only person I could choose is the single biggest Quentin Richardson fan in the network. Uh, he's been asking me to get Q Rich for his podcast for a while, but I don't share. So <laughs> <laughs> that you don't. <laughs> that, that I don't. And that is Giancarlo Navas. So G is going to be with me here. Uh, for the next 40 minutes as we talk to Q Rich. And that's the biggest introduction I'm going to give him. I want to thank Quentin Richardson for being on the podcast today. Q, thanks for doing this. Man, appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, and and we've mentioned this. We were talking about this before we started. There are a lot of great Heat teams in history, right? So there's the late 90s teams, obviously the Zoe Timmy teams. There's 2005, 2006, the Shaq Wade Championship. There's, of course, the big three and the four finals appearances and the two titles. And then there's the team that G loved, which was 2009-2010, of which Quentin Richardson was a big part of this. So we were mentioning that's G's favorite Heat team, and that's also Q's favorite Heat team. Right. So we have that in common. (laughs) (laughs) So we'll talk about that today. But one of the reasons we wanted to have Q is we're doing six weeks of Wade before the end of the season. We're celebrating Dwayne's career. We're going to do a different Dwayne Wade episode every week. We've got Karan Butler scheduled for next week. Also, Gabby Union has agreed to do it. So we've got a pretty good guest list. But we wanted to start with somebody who's, who's based, uh, who was based up in Chicago um, and, and knows Dwayne really well. And I want to start here with you, Q. Um, if, if everybody hasn't read it, one of the best pieces I ever read on Players' Tribune was a letter to your younger self that you wrote, uh, this is a couple of years ago now, about your experience growing up in Chicago. And before we get into your introduction to Dwayne, kind of what his experience was like, can you talk a little bit about what yours was like growing up in Chicago, you know, trying to get out of there and playing basketball? Well, I mean, I don't want anybody to think that, like, you know, when I was growing up, like, every time I walked outside, it was some type of war zone or anything. I mean, you know, I had a, I had a regular childhood, man. My, my, my folks did a good job making us feel like we had everything, even though we did not. And um, we, obviously, we knew that we weren't in the, you know, best of circumstances. But, uh, you know, we grew up in the inner city of Chicago, man. It was, it, it's, you know, the concrete jungle. It was tough. You know, you have all those type of different things with games and, um gang violence and drug violence going on. So um, that was something that we got a chance to, you know, see from, from a, you know, from a personal point of view and we saw up close in person. Hugh, I loved how you, in the piece, you talked about how, like, playing basketball in Chicago was a fight. It's not just like, you know, I live in Miami, right? Suburbia Miami. It's not It's not the same playing ball down here as it is up there. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I was talking to, uh, you know, I'm, I, I do a show with Ryan Holland, and uh, we were talking about the difference. And, you know, he, he was giving me a hard time because L.A. has a lot of good players in the league right now. And, I, you know, I was saying, like, it's a, it's, a, it's a different ball game coming up in Chicago because it's like, okay, you know, most cities, once you become, you know, a good basketball player, they, they kind of give you that respect. Like, he's a good basketball player. But in Chicago, it, it, it's like, it's kind of like twofold. You become good. And so then they say, okay, he cool. He could play. But, like, 
is he tough? So like now we're going to try and beat you up. Like literally, like we're going to like, when you growing up playing in the park, going from court to court, playing grade schools and going from, you know, grade school to high school and stuff like that, playing AAU, that was how it went in Chicago. And I mean, that's kind of like the DNA. You see it in D-Way. You see it in a lot of our guys that like, James physically, Johnson. yeah, physically we have, we most, a lot of Chicago guys are physically strong. And, you know, we have a, we have a demeanor, like even D-Wade, D-Wade is one of the nicest guys you ever meet, but you've seen him go face to face with Kobe, get ready to, you know, get ready to square up with him or do whatever. And that's, that's the toughness of Chicago that you, that you are, you know, it, it's just, it's, it's uh, part of our DNA. We grow up, and like when you on the when you in the playgrounds, when you on the, in the neighborhood, those are the types of things. When you taking the bus, you taking the train to school or wherever you gotta go, these are the scenarios that are presented with you. Like when I went my freshman, year, I went to you know I went to a Catholic school, so I had to take two different public transportation buses through two different high school neighborhoods that I probably should have been going to to go to this suburban Catholic school. And so I'm here in my you know, my shirt and tie and slacks and all of that. And, you know, I got to go through the neighborhood. It was looking at me and my cousin like, who who are these suckers? And so, you know, we got to, we got to, we got to respond to that energy every day. Like not once or twice, like that's every day to and from school. You got to go through those same neighborhoods. You got to see those same people. And if you, if, if something goes down, we might have to, we might have to fight four out of five days in a week with the same people because we all taking the same bus. So, I mean, you know, so when you start playing basketball, I mean, I think that's where you can ask the way where his toughness comes from. I, I've heard him talk about how his dad would do him, you know, him and his brothers and, you know, put him through the gambit in their backyard and play real physical with him. But, I mean, he'll tell you, as soon as he started playing basketball in the neighborhood and got to the grade schools and got to the high schools, like, the physicality is right there in your face, in your face in Chicago. Like, Okay, you could play. Okay, let's push him down. Let's knock him down hard. Let's let's do something to him and see if he's gonna get back and come back. Then you gain your respect when you get up, when you punch back, you push back, and you show that I'm gonna be here all week. I'm not going nowhere. No matter what you do, I'm gonna respond to you or whatever you giving me. That's when you become like, okay, now he 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 cold. He probably okay. He got a chance. Like you see how short he's going. Like that's cause, like we were all played against older guys and stuff like that. So. Those were the challenges that you were met with. You know, it's interesting you mentioned Dwayne in that context because, Q, we had uh, Tim Hardaway on our pod. And I know this is, <laughs> this, this is sort of a point of contention for some guys in Chicago. So he said this good-naturedly, but I asked him to name the three greatest players from Chicago. And, of course, Isaiah's on the list, and I think he had Cassie Russell mm-hmm. on the list. And I said, okay, so what about Dwayne? And he's like, nah, he ain't from <laughs> Chicago. <laughs> and, and, ah, see? You see, and that's, but I think that's the mentality. But I, I do think there are, because Isaiah has given it to Dwayne in that, in that context, but Tim won't. And I, I think because, you know, Dwayne grew up in Robbins and, you know, he wasn't playing in sort of inner city, you know, in the heart of Chicago, that there are some guys from Chicago who still won't call him Chicago. I mean, even though he's played with the Bulls at this point. Do you call him Chicago uh, in that context? Uh, absolutely, he's Chicago. But I mean, I think I think that's you know that when you hear those type of things, I haven't heard Tim's take on it. But uh, but um, most guys from Chicago who are probably like I was one of those guys. When we play with the Heat, whenever I'm around, I'm always giving D Wade a hard time about being from Rollins, Rollins and stuff. But like anybody, anybody, Robbins. I'm sorry, not Rollins, but anybody who who knows, knows that you from Chicago. It's, it's just because your zip code didn't say that. Like, he played AU with the Warriors with my same AU team. My grade school coach coached him. All of those different things. Like, that's because he's from Chicago. And before he moved to Robbins, he was staying in a tougher neighborhood in the inner city. So, D-Way to Chicago, I think people, you know, like, he kind of flew under the radar so much in high school that when he did, like, blow up, some people literally didn't really know that he was from Chicago. And I think that was part of it. But, like, anybody who knows him and, like, who really knows him, they know where he where he grew up at before he got the Robin. So, I mean, I, I don't I don't really look at that. And when you ask me who the, who, the, who the best players to ever come out of Chicago, D-Wade is absolutely right at the top of the list with, with, with Isaiah and all of those guys. So, for me, that's a no-brainer. He's – when I met D-Wade and to see where he has – where he has taken everything and how good he got and 
how he like he did more than Max out. He did more than anybody who even knew him than him. His family, I know nobody thought that he was going to be what he is today and, as, as, you know, as legendary a player as he's become, Hall of Fame career, and then all of those accolades on the court, he, he's, he's a better person. So, I mean, D-Wade has, has done more than maxed out to, to anybody's, you know, beliefs of what they thought he could be. Okay, so maybe not, what, maybe not the three best Chicago players, but who are the three toughest Chicago players? In the NBA history, ah, uh, that's no, that's that that's that was, that that's hard, tough man. to say right there. Yeah, that's that's, that's like there, man, because like that guy, seeing him in Miami, like it's been that dude is is as tough as like like UD has sung his praises. So yeah, I didn't even know James Johnson was from Chicago. <laughs> Ethan told me, Ethan, did you I give me that information? I'm throwing you under the bus. <laughs> I thought so. I'm I asked you pre-show. I don't. Ethan is our Wait, wait. Let me check. Wait. Q is the arbiter of all these things. So let, let me let me double check. I I thought he's was... not. He's not. He's from Wyoming. Uh, Wyoming. I'm about to say I do not recall James Johnson <laughs> being. I would know him. <laughs> Wyoming. All right. So let's. I, I I intentionally gave G bad information to embarrass himself on the podcast. All right. So so I'm sweating. I'm sweating. I, I, so, the setup is real. The setup. <laughs> the setup is right. So give me the three, Q, because I know, I mean, look, I watched you, and we're going to get more into your career as we go forward. And, and you weren't afraid. Kobe didn't matter. You know, D-Wade didn't matter who you were guarding. Uh, I mean, you were going to go at them, you know, night after night. But, yeah, do you, ha- do you have three? Do you have three? Um, the three toughest, man. That that I I, I don't even want to venture into that. I'll just, I just can name some tough guys. It's like, you know, Tony Allen. Mm-hmm. Even even Tim Tim Hardaway, uh, Isaiah, easily one of the toughest. Uh, you know, like D Wade too. I mean, the the way he plays through injuries, and everybody knows D Wade. He 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 with it. He just don't get challenged a whole lot because he's such a nice dude. But the times that he does, he responds like a Chicago player. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? All right, so I'm so, going to ask uh, you on that. I'm going to ask because I got to follow up on this. Two things. Uh, again, we're going to get into how your relationship with him built. But Rondo's broken elbow and <laughs> Sessions getting kicked in the nuts. Did, did Dwayne, in your opinion, do those two things on purpose? Because there's some Chicago in there. Yeah, but nah, those type of things, nah. Do you not, do you <laughs> Thank not you, like, I would consider those like dirty type plays and like, Thank nah, you. he would never Thank do you. anything like that. Like, he would, he would absolutely. You know, if somebody ran up, he would respond and defend himself, but he would, he's not a dirty type player. No, no. Breaking Kobe's nose? What about that one? Well, you know, I, 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 I know he tried to take the, the, the foul hard, but I know, you know, never would he try and actually go and break his nose. But, I, like, I knew that he was trying. He, he got caught up in the moment in that game. The, the switch turned on like they were playing for real, and that was like a real reaction. I, but, no, he wasn't trying to, like, literally break his nose. But he was trying to take a good foul on him. You could see that. <laughs> All right, so let's get into how the relationship started. So, like you said, Dwayne was not like super prospect from the very. I mean, he wasn't Anthony Davis, right? I mean, he wasn't that kind of prospect from the very beginning. When did you first hear about him? And can you take us through a little of your first interactions with him? Okay, so my first interactions with him, I wasn't even aware of them. So his brother, like he was younger. His brother Demetrius was the same year as me. So we played against each other, and um, but like you know, uh, summer league and different things like that, AAU. And so I didn't know, but at the time, D Wade was on on the bench for some of those games as the younger brother, not playing yet, not you know, not there yet. And um, so those were probably the first interactions with me. But then like um. The first time I ever heard of him, like, or knew anything about him, my grade, like I told you, my grade school coach, Gary Adams, he was my, my head coach in, from fifth to eighth grade. And um, when, when D-Wade got to Richards High School, my coach was over there helping out. He, he, was, uh, he was no longer coaching in my grade school anymore, so he was, like, uh, helping out as an assistant coach at Richards with his uh, – the head coach was, a, was an old friend of his, so he did that just kind of, you know, keep himself busy, staying balls and stuff. And um, that was where where D-Wade first ever heard of me or, you know, who I was or any of that. And I'm like, that was like, by then I'm in high school, and, you know, I'm starting to become one of the better players in the city and stuff like that and making a name for myself. So, you know, D-Wade was at the – this is how he explained it to me. He was kind of like, you know, trying to figure things out and, and – and how to play and stuff like that and how to go score and everything 
whenever he talked to Mr. Adams, everything he told him was all about me. It would be Q, 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 Q this, Q did this, Q does it this way, Q, you know, how hard I work or how I went about things. So that in itself kind of put D-Wade in a way where he was like, man, well, this Q dude must be, like, amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like, because anybody who knows Mr. Adams has, you know, once you get to know him, you, you develop this unbelievably great amount of respect for him and what he's about and what he said. Because, like, he did me basically the same way when I got with him in, in, um, in fifth grade. Only difference was the player that he would do it with, he would, he would always talk about my cousin, my older cousin was in eighth grade. And him and another guy, Britt Booker, those were the two big guys on the team. And he was so the same way that he would talk to D-Wade about me, he talked to me about those guys. So I know what it was that D-Wade was being. And it puts you in a place to where you think these guys are like George. So I can see him looking at me before he even knew me, like, man, who is this true Richardson guy? Like, he must be like like the next Jordan or whatever. Mr. Adam is telling him, you know, all of the things. And, like, so that's how I, so that's how I can see where, you know, the, the admiration or what have you can come along from that. And then, so you fast forward, I still hadn't met him. Like, he played AU, and he played he played with D-Miles' with D team. Because after I graduated and went to college, they were still with him, D-Miles, and T.J. Cummings. Now, T.J. Cummings and D-Miles were the big guys. They were the McDonald's guys. They were the big-name guys on his team. So he kind of flew under that radar still. So you fast forward to, like, my first real, real – Real, like, where I sat and had a conversation with him. This was, like, this is his freshman year at Marquette. Now, my best friend since sixth grade is Cordell Henry. He was the point guard at Marquette. Wade had to sit out the first season because of Prop 48. So, the whole time, he's sitting out. Now, mind you, I kind of knew who he was because Mr. Adams was telling me, too. By the time D-Wade got to be junior and senior, I'm, I still talk to my coach. He's like, yo, this kid is about to be a monster. Like, you know, people don't really know about Cause I, I'm like, I haven't heard about him. I'm like, why haven't I heard about him? He, you know, he's putting up these numbers and he's so big time. And he was like, it's one of the weirdest things. I don't know why, you know, everybody's not raving about him or talking about him. He was like, but you. He is, he is, he is good. He's like, he could do everything. Like he's six four, six three, six four. Like he can do everything. Like, and he, and he works his butt off. So I'm like, okay, cool. So then once he got to school, the next thing for me, is I'm asking, you know, Cordell, my best friend. I'm like, yo, see, let me know what, what the young boy, how he looking, whatever, what he doing and how he play. So like the whole season, you know, when you, when you didn't eligible to play, like they had D-Wade being like, and he could practice, he could do everything but play. He could be a part of the team, he just couldn't travel and play. So he would be in practice, like in the scout teams, he would be the other team's best player. And like Cordell was telling me like, yo, this dude is done. He like, he's wanting, like if he was able to play, he'd be gone. He like, yo, he like, he's about to be so cold, but like he'd be killing us in practice and he can't play. He's like, so he like, wait till you see him play. So like that year, the first year, like, you know, we, Marquette is right there in Milwaukee, so we go and we play the we play the Bucks in Milwaukee. So this is the first time I meet him. Cordell Cordell brings him to the uh to the hotel or you know the little hotel right there that everybody always said in Milwaukee. So we had, we there at the hotel. Like D Wade is like literally like the D Wade that y'all see before y'all. This man was quiet as a church mouse. Would not say two words. And I'm not telling any like he would not like no all of this charisma all of this like he. He definitely grew and matured and flourished into all of this. Cause back then he was quiet as a it like shy, shy brother, like don't wanna really look at you, make eye contact. So like Fidel was sitting there, Cordell was messing with him. We sitting there, we chilling, I'm like, yo, what's up? What's up? He's sitting there quiet, so Fidel like, man, he being quiet, like, bro, he got your post up in his locker, bro. He like he got your post up in his locker. He be, he he love you, G. I don't know why he acting like he wanna say that, but he like put him on bad, but like, you know, it was breaking the ice, it was cool. So our, our relationship kind of just grew from there. Like, you know what I'm saying? We exchanged numbers. I hollered at him. And, you know, we just kept tabs. And then, obviously, as he, you know, as he started to play, you know, I'm like, yo, I'm seeing him. And, you know, we, we, we text him and stuff. So then, you know, obviously, he went and did his thing and, and, and took him to the final four, having triple doubles and doing all those amazing things. And then he come back and he getting, you know, he's top five now. So the, the, the rest is really just, just history. But, I mean, that's definitely the – uh, beginning to how we first ever met and how our relationship began. So, all right. So basically you get drafted in 2000 um, to the Clippers. And, and I know obviously, you know, a lot went on with that. And there was a lot of promise with that team with you and Darius and eventually 
uh, Lamar and Keon, who we know well from down here and, and kind of a group that never really got a chance to flourish. But you were three years in when he gets drafted in 2003. And when the Heat drafted him fifth overall, I, I'm, I remember being at that draft party and the fans were excited about it, but mostly because it was at a time where a lot of foreign players were getting taken. And as we remember, Darko was taken second overall. <laughs> right. And, right, and so, right. So I think Heat fans were just happy that it was like somebody that they'd watched in the tournament. But I don't think that anybody who was in the building that day thought he would be this. I wanted you to, to take us through a little bit of kind of your observance of him when he broke into the league, because you had already been through some of this stuff. You'd been in the league for three years. Did you see during that rookie season, particularly ends up playing in that playoff series against the Hornets, hits the game winner in game one, hits, you know, close to a game winner in, in game seven. Uh, what did you think of him as a rookie? How good did you think he was going to be? Because he was overshadowed a lot that year by LeBron and Carmelo. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that was, a, that was, a, that's one of the best parts of when you look back at everything is that you see where he started at as far as like, especially his place among those, those three guys between Carmelo, you know, LeBron and him, it was like that class was like all about those two guys. And I feel like that throughout his career, he took, he took and he, he cemented himself right there in the middle of them. Like, nah, y'all can't tell this story about LeBron and Melo without talking about me. When in the beginning, the picture was painted, you know, they were saying the, 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 the bird and magic and it was all LeBron and Melo. Are they saving him? Yeah, and it's like, there's no disrespect to neither of them because I love both of those guys. But D-Wade, what he did with his work ethic, with, and, I, and I watched it, like like you say, we were from his rookie year, from him coming to Timber over there hoops and starting to work and like not really knowing where he was and just seeing like how he's trying to figure it out to, to all the way to the end of that season to where he 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 goes in and he gets the game win over Baron Davis. And I can tell you, I'm sitting there, I'm at home, I'm hyped. I'm hyped for him. Like, look at my young boy. Like, he's he, he doing it. You know what I'm saying? So, like, for me, it was, it was always – major, major being proud and just watching them. Like, cause I, I literally watched him, watched him in the, the whole summer. He'll tell you me, the, the summers after the shoulder injury, after the knee surgery, like me and him was the first ones in the gym. He knew I was back because we wasn't in the playoffs. He like, yo, like, what's up? Like, we need to, like, I'm, I feel like I'm being doubted. I got to do A, B, and C. And I watched them put in the work day after day, day after day. And I watched them climb and, like I say, take his place and cement his place as as one of the, the major dudes in the league. And then when he got that that position, he took it in a, in a chokehold and he ain't let it go. He, he said, no, nah, I'm here. This is what I've been waiting to get a hold to. And now that I got it, nobody's going to take it away from me. Not injuries, not nothing. And, and like, that's that was his the way he went about it. But he's like, he's done that historically not just like in his rookie season like he inserted himself in the Carmelo like now like even you know a lot of conversation locally about you know his placement all time like he's inserted himself to top three maybe top two he's the third best he's the third best two guard ever is Michael no no discussion like I and it's no No discussion discussion. like you know that ain't like I don't want to hear anything anybody else nobody is Michael Kobe and Dwayne Wade. Those are the best see, three two guards those, in the history. That black and white footage. Dwayne would smoke any of those guys playing in black and white television. I mean, it, clearly, it's clearly. <laughs> and, and and just like the and the thing about him that separates that you know that puts him on that level of those other two guys is that he did it on both ends. D Wade, probably the all time all time best shot blocking guard. Period. period. And he's like, probably he's period six, four. in the history of it. Exactly, six three, six four, and period for the history of the game, he's the best shot blocking guard in my you could, opinion. Ever. You could probably you could probably give more voice to this, but like it, it would appear that it, especially like the early years and the year that you were there, that he were using Dwayne as a weak side shot blocker as a guard. I mean, that was that was be that was be way for his life. Be way, like man. he'll come and catch a center at the rim and then yeah, block it. Like, he's responsible yeah. for the guy in the corner and also to rotate if the big gets up in the pick and roll. Like, that's wild that a guy at his side that's, that's, is that's, doing that. That's why that's why he, he can have the nickname as Flash because he could be there and then there in a flash and blocking somebody's side, right? And then the down the court off the miss for a dunk. <laughs> exactly, exactly. 
I mean, look at his game winning the other day. People want to say that's luck and that's this, that. Maybe you could say it's luck, but a lot of that stuff is like intangible. That was awareness. That was like reaction. That was like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like people can't do those things. He got his shot blocked. The whole play was a mess. The whole play was a mess, and he still had the wherewithal to, and the awareness to catch it and flick it up it there. I don't know that he tried to get – I'm not going to give him the credit like he tried to get that foot behind the line. Like, they, I saw that on TV. Like, he, oh, he has me. I'm like, right, I'm not going to buy that. Like, that was, just, that was absolutely luck. But everything else was – you know, that was a skill and ability to be able to have that awareness, to see the clock, to have eye and, you know, hand and eye coordination to see clock ball, the shot blocks and all that, and you react and you get it off that quick. Like, that was amazing, man. Did you watch that live? Absolutely. I was watching the game live, and I couldn't believe it. Because I'm thinking, <laughs> like, oh, it's over. Then it was like, oh, my God, what? Put us in the room. How do you react? Like, that shot goes up, and what is Q Rich doing? At first, like I say, I say, I, I thought it was messed up. And then I was like, oh, oh. And then I just started laughing. So I'm just <laughs> like, this is this is classic. Like, you know what I'm saying? This is another way moment. I'm watching him. He running around. He ran from all the teammates. Then he jumped up, punched himself in the test. But I just started laughing. I was happy for him. I said, this is, this is the what you want to see for your, you know what I'm saying, for your bro on his last trip around. And it's going down like this. Like, everything is playing out. And it couldn't be for a better person. You know what I'm saying? It couldn't happen to a better person. For everything that he does for other people around him and the community and everything itself. I mean, he, everybody knows what he does for the community and everything like that and his charity. I mean, for the people that are around him to get to experience him and enjoy what he brings to the table. I mean, he deserves this year and and I wanted him to play more. I mean, he'll tell you. I tell him, I say, come on, man. My new, my new got like you got three my new years in. But I, I did have to come down to my senses and say, okay, while I'm screaming, this, you know, my new, my new Ginobili played two or three more. Like he wasn't practicing like you practice. Mm-hmm. Like that's the one difference. Like so far, so uh, so not gonna tell you where. All right, get out of here. Like nah. The one thing about it over there is like you, he, he feel. Is being the picture of perfection for all of those guys because he's in year 16 and he's still showing up and doing all of the stuff that he's supposed to do. So for them, for those young guys, that puts them in a position where no one can say anything about anything because look at that guy, Hall of Famer, first ballot, one of the best ever, and he's showing up and doing it every day in year 16. So y'all young chumps better get in line and do it. You know what I'm saying? And he got big, he got OG UD right there next to him doing the same thing. And UD like the depot of the situation. So if B Wade, if his, the picture of B Wade, like if that, that picture you see of B Wade ain't working, we got UD to come over here and might, might put a hand on your shoulder and just be a little, a little encouraging. So I like that one two punch right there. It's not just a hand on the shoulder, Q. You know, it's more, a little bit more than that. You know, it, it's, I, was, I was being, I was being modest. I was being modest. <laughs> we all know, we all know how you be really gonna handle it. But you know, I was just trying to downplay it a little bit for the for the pod. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to downplay it here, man. We had UD on. Nothing's downplayed. I, but you know, it's interesting when you mentioned the, you know, the preparation that goes into that because uh, the shot the other night. Because I, I remember having a conversation with Ray Allen about the about the shot he made in 2013. And he's like, yeah, a lot of people thought, you know, that was luck. You know, me, you know, kind of, you know, getting my feet behind the line and getting it up. He's like, that's my whole career. My whole career was that shot. He's like, all the preparation, all of the drills that I did before games, all the work that I did, it's all – he's like, if anybody wants to ask me what my career was about, it's that shot. And it's not just because of the time or the circumstance, but it's because of all the things that he had to do naturally that came to him – because of the way that he'd worked on all of those things. So those shots are not luck. Yeah, I mean, the losing the ball for Dwayne the other night. The, the funny thing about a Q is I think he was thinking about getting on the table and doing the This Is My House before he released the ball. <laughs> <laughs> like, like he, already, right. he already knew uh, what was happening there. But I, I want to take you back before we get to uh, the Q, G's favorite season and your favorite season, uh, just the 2006 finals because it's legendary, obviously, and it's one of the five greatest yeah. finals performances of all time. You're, now, you, you had an interesting circumstance there because you wrote about this a little bit in Players' Tribune about how your New York experience was challenging. It was, it was different. You guys, it was sort of a, a weird group that you had there, a lot of personalities. You were kind of going through a tough time adjusting to it. And then you're watching your buddy – in the finals against Dallas, we ain't going out like this. You know, everything that happened in that series and him averaging 36 points or whatever it was uh, in the finals. Do, do you have 
just as since you know Dwayne, I'm sure you were communicating with Dwayne during that. Do you have kind of one memory yep. from that experience? I can just remember afterwards when he like you know I obviously like you say I'm talking to him, communicating with him through the playoffs. Like yo, this crazy. Like you know what I'm saying? Series after series, then like y'all going to the final. Like yo, this crazy. Then finally, you know what I'm saying? Y'all win. You the Finals MVP. I can remember like yo. <laughs> Like, you the finals MVP, bro. Like, this is, like, this is crazy. Like, that was, like, like you said, that was, like, one of, probably, like, one of the most proud moments, period, for him. Like, just, like, because that one was more unexpected than any other one. You know what I'm saying? Like, when he got with LeBron, it was, okay, they're going to win however many. I, everybody thought they were going to win however many. But, like, that one in 06, so, you know, the, the way they, you know, the way they did it, the way he did it, and then, like I say, to get MVP and all of that, like for the city, for all of us that knew him and how tight he was, like like that was the that was the craziest thing ever. Like like you asked him when he came home to the city that summer, like man, we kicked it. Do you hear me? Like my man, like that was like that was like one of the like a like how they say what a time to be alive. Like or sometimes you wish you could go back just to feel things twice. Like that was like that was a time capsule moment. Like. Where the city was was crazy, like you know what I'm saying. Swan was a part of that team that won it, like you know what I'm saying. It was like it was a lot, a lot of love in the city for for bro, and like you know what I'm saying. You go, you you roll past, like you know, like I say, people say Rodman's is not in Chicago. That man, fifteen minutes from my neighborhood that I grew up in. So like I would be going to my sister's house, and like now my sister had moved to the out to the suburbs, so like that was like right on the way to my sister's house, like. They had the billboard, like, this is right. Welcome to Robbins, hometown of NBA Finals, MVP, big billboard. Like, man, it was big. It was big. Bro was literally on top of the world. Like, you know what I'm saying? I was like, all right, like, yeah, I have been doing my thing and making my way. And I had been, you know, I had to arrive. But, like, now it's like, that was, like, that was unthought of, unthinkable. You on the... You on the biggest stage there is. You playing with Shaq and you the MVP. Like that was that was that was. Hey, it didn't get no better than that. So then you come here, right? So you know, 2006 happens, and then you come in 2000, the summer of 2009, following your New York years. And I know that you kind of wrote about how those were some of the hardest personal years for you. And I kind of wondering, and like you know, you have such a good relationship with Dwayne. How did linking up with him in Miami was that like a decision motivated by like? I want to be with my brother or like, how did that come to be? Man, I just say that was just God's plan. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Cause you think about it, that summer I got traded four times in like three, five, five weeks or something before, I, you know, it wasn't like, Hey, destination Miami. Like that came, like I said, that was, that was some, that was God's plan. And then, you know, Jeff Wexler, my agent working his magic, trying to get me down there close to him. And then, you know, around D-Wade and some people where, you know, I, get my boys be waiting and be right. So I mean I think that was that was what it was. It was not like me, I never me or D Wade never thought or never, you know, we didn't say this or that, but like once it was like presented, obviously we You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Both talked to each other as it was happening. was like, this about to be, you know, a good chance, you know, a good opportunity. Because he bro was coming off of, uh, was it his shoulder surgery that year? It was two years. It was two years removed from that. It was he was a year removed from the MV three season where he averaged thirty, finished third in MVP. Okay, yeah, I just know that I remember because like I'm like this particular year, instead of me being in Chicago working out with them, as soon as the trade happened, I was in Miami. Like that was you know what I'm saying. Pat made me come straight to Miami, and I it wasn't about to be like, hey, you hanging out in Chicago in the summer, none of that. It was like that was when I lost like. 
like 40 pounds in like five weeks. It was crazy. Culture, yo, the culture. That, hey, you ain't never lied. <laughs> you ain't never lied. That was the that was the only time in, after I played with the Heat, I had a I had a weight scale in my bathroom. Still to this day, I've had a weight scale in my bathroom since playing for no the Miami Heat. Because I because no, that is a no fact. I had to make sure I knew what it was before I went in. Because every day, you know, for me, I had to get on the scale every single day. So like I thought I lost all of the weight and got to where I was at. Nah, I had to have me a weight scale in my in my bathroom, homie. Cause you know how it is when you go in for that for that that weight check. It ain't no hiding. It ain't no like jumping on and hurry up. Like they got the big. They say Prince Shaq was that they brought in a big, 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 huge like animal type scale where it's got the big digital numbers. No, I'm serious. The scale is like it ain't like a normal. You know how you guys might go to the store, go to an athletic club, and you got the normal little like nah. He got the, the they had the huge silver thing to just sit there, and then they got wires to go from it, and they got the little get the scale just up on the wall. So yeah, it wasn't yeah. like a regular like you go to the doctor type weight scale. It was a big one, so it was like nah, ain't no faking the funk over here. You about to get your weight. And you about to get your body fat. And if it ain't where it's supposed to be, you about to pay for it. So when I figured out all those things, I was like, okay, I got a, I, I got an idea for this. I'm going to know what I'm wearing before I even walk in. <laughs> I, I, you know, I think Twan had one of those separate weight scales too. And uh, <laughs> un, un, unfortunately for him, and after the uh, 2006 championship, what he told us in the locker room it was after they won as he was spraying us with champagne that he was going to drink all offseason – uh, and and then, <laughs> and, 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 and then came back and then came back in 2006 seven and ended up getting suspended him and Posey as a result of that. So I remember that. I remember <laughs> that. That was legendary that they got suspended for weight and body fat. Like this was, I definitely absolutely remember that. And Timmy had a three to, we talked to him about this. He had a weight clause in his contract. In addition to a three to one, uh, he told us that the weight clause did bother him that much on the podcast. I remember though, late nineties, man, Tim didn't like that weight clause. Like they, they don't like you, you mentioned that. I, I mean, you Udonis, Udonis has lost 150 pounds since he came to the heat. Can't seem to put it back on. Yeah. So I, I, exactly. I know, I, I know it's no joke. I, I know G wants to get into the playoffs with you here a little bit. And I do too, but you mentioned Darrell a little bit earlier and, uh, you know, and and obviously you you guys had a relationship. The whole one three, you know, the the, the one three five thing. Still everything. do, still do, still my bro, still all of us still super super tight. That's our dev, is our godson, me and D Wade. So you know, that's that's family. Do, all do of you, them, Mia, Dev, Dash, son. Do, do you think that Darrell? I've always been curious to ask this because I I when Darrell was drafted. Um, the Heat could have taken Jameer Nelson that year. And it's funny because I heard that Stan didn't really like Jameer Nelson as a player, but ended up then having him as his point guard for seven years, I think, in, in right, Orlando. Right. And he turned out to be a pretty good player. But I, I always thought it was kind of unfair to Darrell because Darrell got drafted to a team that was supposed to be like a, a young, you know, sort of growing team and then ended up, you know, on a team that got Shaq. And I remember actually going out to – I think it was Estero. He was playing D League ball at the time, and they sent him down there for a little while. Uh, do, do you do you ever wonder sort of how Darrell's career? I, I, he ended up having a good career. He turned himself into a three point shooter at the end of the career. Came back to Miami. Do you ever wonder how if his career might have gone differently, sort of in a different circumstance? Um, no, I think I think he I think he'll even say that you know Miami was was one of the best things that could have happened to him coming straight from high school. It, it immediately taught him how to be a pro. It taught him how to grow up. I mean, like you say, he did get into a situation where it was a young team that got turned into you know a, a championship type veteran team. But I think even in that, he he learned he learned a lot. And I think it was good for him. I think I think everything was fine until until the situation in Portland happened, where I I feel like the front office. <clears throat> wanting him maybe more than the, than the coach did. And then, you know, you know how that type of scenario goes. The coach is going to play who he wants to play. But um, I think up until that point, everything was, uh, you know, he had the things that he learned in Miami put him in position to go do what he did in Philly and Golden State. And I think those were because of the building blocks that the Miami set in place with him. I mean, talking to him, we talk about it all the time. I only had one year there in Miami. And the culture that they have and the way that they do things, I feel like if I would have been drafted there, that I could have had a better career because you just learn right away that you're going to be professional. You're going to do it, – it's not about like you're going it, to – it's I, I call it the Riley way because it's like it's, it's layers in the organization. You know, when you've been in different organizations, you see how the, the hierarchy and everything goes. And there is one, it's one thing. It's like you could sit – I could be arguing with the equipment guy 
about wanting to wear some socks or get some whatever, wanting to wear a headband. And he's not going to sit there and go back and forth with me. He's going to say, yo, these are the rules. The rules were set by da 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 And if you want to, it's an open door policy. You can go up to the office and talk to Pat. And then everybody going to shut up because don't nobody want to go up there and talk to him. Why didn't yeah, you get a headband? J.O. J-O, J-O went up and had that conversation. At that point in my career, I was in a position where I was coming off four bad years in New York. I was just happy to be there and being embraced. I, I didn't want to make any waves of any kind. I was trying to be the perfect citizen. I wasn't, they said it wasn't no headbands. I didn't even care. I was like, I don't <laughs> care. I'm not about to ask that man about a headband. I'm just trying to, I'm trying to get my career back. Like, I'm serious. I didn't care about anything. Whatever he said was what it was. And that was fine with me. I wasn't, you know, J.O. was in a different position. So he went up and I mean he explained I had that he had worn a headband the whole his whole career. I had too, but I didn't I didn't listen, I didn't I'm telling you, I didn't say one thing about nothing when I got there. I was like, I'm trying to be the perfect citizen. This is the Five Reason Sports Network, Miami Sports on Demand. We now have fifteen podcasts in the network covering every professional sports team in South Florida and much more. All absolutely free. You can find all of our shows on iTunes, Google Podcasts, or Podbean. If you just can't get enough, become a member of our patron feed and you'll get even more exclusive content, including post-game analysis. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Don't abandon your team's coverage just because they missed the playoffs. Tune in and stay informed with all of the latest coaching changes and free agency rumors. Here's what you missed on the last episode of Three Yards Per Carry. But I think if you can get Alvin Kamara, cause I, and I think they're kind of going away. What are you laughing at? <laughs> I'm watching. I'm watching the Adam Gase taco video. Oh, it's hilarious, isn't it? It's hilarious. The moving taco is brilliant, isn't it? I'm glad I'm keeping you so. I mean, you know, you're just watching a you're just watching a floating taco instead of listening to it. If you're interested in advertising your business on our network, reach out to us at number five recent sports on Twitter. To stay up to date with all of our shows, enter five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. Uh, Q, so that that year, that Heat team, I thought was really good. I remember that year, you guys were doing amazingly against the top tier teams in both conferences. And uh, your record probably, you probably could have gotten to 50 wins had Dwayne been 100% healthy that year. I know him and J.O. missed some time kind of in the middle and toward the end. And you guys draw Boston. And I don't know if you remember the game, but had you lost against the Nets the last day of the season, you guys would have I remember that the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, Eric Spolstra sat, mo- I think you sat, Dwayne sat, uh, Beasley and Chalmers played like a million minutes. Um, and even in the second overtime, because Beasley and Rio were killing it, Spo sits them and Jacobo Diawara banks a three from like the corner and kind of puts Air you guys ahead. Do you remember Air that Air France, yeah. cool. I absolutely remember it. I absolutely remember it. I think you guys would have made a conference finals had you drawn the Hawks. Because that Hawks team, I mean, there was no way that Hawks, there was no way that Joe Johnson was going to beat Dwayne Wade again. Like, there was just no chance. Like, that, the team that you guys had, you guys had so much three-point shooting. I mean, you were a dog on defense. I mean, I think you probably should have been at least considered for all team defense, at least the second team. You were awesome that year. Dwayne was having another MVP-type year. Uh, Beasley and Chalmers were playing great. Uh, J.O. was having an awesome resurgence season. Like, I, I was... That was not the you know, best I tell thing. people all the time, like people ask me sometimes about, you know, some of the teammates I played with who was like, who were you in front? Like Michael Beasley. Oh my goodness. <laughs> like to to like, man, that dude there is like I call him a walking bucket. But like I've not seen and I play with some special I play with some special dudes, some Hall of Famers and everything. And he when it comes to getting a bucket he could sit at the table with any of them. Like, you know, he had his different things off the court. And, and, and but like, like, you know how it is when you, when you on a team with a guy, when you get to practice with him, you get to see him every day in practice and in shoot arounds and in everything. You get to see some of them days where we in camp and we really like early in the season when you really practicing and you, man, these was a problem. And I'm talking about a Serious problem. That man could score on whoever, however, whenever. And, and I'm talking about like shout out to B too, man. He lost. He just lost his mind recently going through a tough stretch, man. We 
uh, as he hear this, I'm thinking about him, and we got love for him, man. The bees was a walking bucket. Still is, yeah. He still can get. I mean, he still can get you twenty. Absolutely. I, 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 I mean, I mean, I know that no, he's no, not. No. Any day of the week, right yep. now, right now, <laughs> right now, can still do it. Absolutely, I agree. Right now, this second. Q, he kind of reminds Ingram. Kind of reminds me of Bees a bit. Like they have a lot of similarities in their games, and like the way that they score and get to the basket. Like I think that that's a similar type, like trajectory and talent wise. Yeah, Bees was stronger though. Mm-hmm. Bees was so much stronger. Like Bees, that's why I say like you, like people get Bees led led college basketball and scoring and rebounding. Like, and I'm talking about going to get 20 rebounds and stuff. Like, I don't. I mean, I. I think Ingram's a good scorer, but I don't. I don't know. He's not. He was. He's not as physically as imposing as Bees. Well, that's why I say Bees could score on you. However, whenever, like, like Brandon Ingram can score, like, by he can use his length in the post. But like Bees can overpower you in the post. Bees can can hold you off with one hand and do stuff with the other. He got those huge hands where he got like Bees is a problem, man. I'm telling you. <laughs> Like as a as a like literally as a defensive type player, like when I used to try and guard him and practice the way, and like that's why I say he's strong because I consider myself strong. And I used to be like, yo, these don't even realize how he just moved me so easy, and I ain't used to get moved easy like that. And like these was a strong dude, and I couldn't see like right, I can't see Brandon Ingram moving me or pushing me like like how I'm talking about bees is doing. So he was on that team, uh, you know, he was, uh, I think, a part-time starter. I think UD and him were kind of swapping in, in that he's, role. He started yeah. most. Yeah, he, he started most. I, I want to I get to that playoff series, though, and, and kind of the end of it. Because, uh, I mean, Dwayne had one sort of ridiculous game in that series. I always My remember- favorite game. My favorite Wade game. Yeah, so let so let's go to that because G G wants to get to that. Um, the the, the yeah. one game, the one game. Well, there's two things about that series I want to get into. So there there's the Wade game, and then there's the scuffle. All right, so so let's let's get into the because I I know how you guys felt about the Celtics. Hollywood, <laughs> right? So so right. Let, let, let let's start with the Wade game, and then I want to get to the scuffle and kind of how real some of that hatred was uh, between you guys and the Celtics. So start with Dwayne. Uh, the D-Wade game when he, uh, you know, that was just classic D-Wade, man. He get, he got it. He got things going. And, you know, I mean, any you watched this all that year. Whenever D-Wade got it going, we we found ways to keep getting the ball and trying. You know, everybody tried to rally around it and play off of that. So, you know, once he got things going, I knew that it was like, that was me trying to tell him, like, yo, keep, hey, take over. They can't, they can't do nothing about it. Keep going. Keep going. And just trying to, you know, be there and support of that. And if we, you know, score what we could and do what we could. But basically just keep riding that riding that wave. And, and, and for an elimination game. Yeah. Like against three Hall of Famers, potentially four. And, and, a, and a possible Hall of Fame coach. Like that uh, it, uh, with a team that, you know, clearly down, down 3-0 historically, that doesn't happen. And just he put the entire city, the team on his back and just gave – an underrated performance because I think nobody thinks about that and that if that happened in a later round because I mean that that could have yeah. easily been a conference semi or conference final matchup had had the, the draw gone differently like I don't think enough people like look at what he did that game especially the fourth quarter the dunk on Garnett the double pump off the steal and like dude that game forever oh no nah. he, he I'm I'm telling you, it was something like that was one of the games where like as I'm sitting there after the game you sitting there like yo you know, you get home to the hotel or whatever, and you watching some of the highlights, and you looking back over what happened. You like, <laughs> like yo, I was just a part of greatness out there. Like, bro, just put on a, a, a all time like a greatness type performance. You had twenty points. You came like, to play that day. Oh no, yeah. I mean, like I say, I was there to support. I mean, but like those are the times when it's like, like that's one, like when you say one of your favorite games, like that's one of the, the games that I could take and say that I had you know, a moment too. Like, you know what I'm saying? And it's even that much better than, you know what I'm saying? It was it was with bro, with be right on the team with all of that and the, the togetherness we had. And like you say, that's 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 an all time game that bro had against three Hall of Famers, a Hall of Fame coach and a legendary franchise. And then I get to say, hey, I I I tacked a twenty on to that to help us get the dub. And I was out there fighting, you know what I'm saying, and playing hard defensively. So yeah, that was that was that was like I say, just sitting back looking at it, that was what I was looking at. Like, yo, 
and you know your family calling you and saying something like that was the conversation we having like yo what was D Wade what was he I'm like yo I don't know <laughs> like what hey like I don't know what got into him but you know like yeah. What's funny about a Q is that, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, an elimination game, everybody thinks of, and I, I was at both and, and, you know, they both had their, their specific moments, but uh, everybody thinks of LeBron in Boston, right? Like down three, two, uh, the 45 points, the carrying the heat on his back, probably saving the big three era actually, because I mean, there was a lot of talk before that game about Bosch getting traded and Spo getting fired and all the things that happened with that. And, and nobody remembers the Wade game and Dwayne did basically the same thing. Like, what was it five years earlier, four or five years earlier? But right, it's a younger team I, with a younger team, yeah. I mean, LeBron's was amazing, it was, it was probably the best I ever saw LeBron play in the big three era. But but Dwayne's was almost equally amazing. I, I do want to get to to we talk about you know, you're, you're being nice now, and it's all true. Hall of Fame players, Hall of Fame coach who's having a great season with the Clippers this year. But you guys didn't like those guys, right? So let's – I mean, the whole gangster thing, UD going at them. What was the Celtic – I mean, what was the tension between the Celtics and the Heat that year? That's just – you know, that's just the way it goes sometimes, man. When you play against the same – you know, we played against them a couple – I want to say we played them in preseason or whatever. I mean, when you play against the same, that's a conference team. You know, we played them four times that year. And – I want to say early in, the, like, probably the first or second game, it was, you know, some words exchanged, the stuff was, and then, you know, from that point on, that's just how it is. And so when you get to that, when you get to that type of point, those are the things that happen on the court, man, when you got, when you got the type of players that we were. You know, we, we, we are all feisty individuals. Everybody knows KG, Paul, and Rondo, and those guys, how they are. And I mean, myself, UD, like I say, D-Wade, Big Cat, the guys we had on my team, J.O., we, we were, we were, we were cut from the same type of club. Yeah, big, everybody know what Big Cat Love was about, so, you know. Absolutely. Shout big out cat to Big Lifer. Cat. That's my man still to this day, Big yep. Cat McGraw. Yep. So, you know, like, th- those are the things. And then, like you say, it's a, it's a playoff atmosphere. Well, it's a playoff series, not an atmosphere. It's a playoff. So, you know, all of those things, you go into it. And those are the type of things that happen, man. Studio Gangster, though? Did you agree with the Studio Gangster comment from UD? You remember that one? I mean, you come on, man. You know anything UD was saying, I was riding right with him, probably yelling <laughs> and saying the same thing. So, you know what I'm saying? Like, dead, like literally. So, you know, like, that was, that was at, that, at that point in time, that was how we felt. Mm-hmm. Where me and UD come from, it, it, it's, you know, it's not so much as the talking that, it, that, it, that, it, that it's concentrated on. It's, it's the action. And so we both felt that like, hey, the 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 actions don't match up with the words, and that was just how we felt. But I mean, you know, we all we all are you know mature mature uh, adults now, so you know we can we can leave that in the past. And, I liked um, it better in the past. I liked it better before. <laughs> I liked it when you weren't so mature, Q. That it was it was better when you weren't mature, especially when it was about Pierce. So we we yeah we all had to, we all had to grow up sometimes. We, y'all we should have grow up. <laughs> y'all should have won Game Three, man. Like that was a lucky shot by Pierce, and Dwayne was out of the game. Dwayne rolled his ankle on the last offensive possession. You know that was also a foul that should have been called. I'm still salty about that. Oh my god! All right, we're still doing this. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite heat team, man. It's been it's been a it's been a decade. All right, we're gonna go to rapid fire here with Q. All right, so I'm gonna throw some questions at you, uh, and and we'll we'll get you out of here on some of these um a couple things i remember from that locker room afterwards one was tim donovan tapping us on the shoulder and saying that you needed surgery about an injury we didn't even know anything about so that was very that was very heat way uh on there but the other thing that i remember was Dwayne at the oh yeah on my hand yeah your hand like we had no idea like that's very heat for them not to let us know something for months (laughs) that all of a sudden you're being you're going to be operated out of the locker room that's that's a very riley thing um but uh but I did want to get into – after that game, I'll always remember this press conference uh, going to this one because Dwayne never spoke out like this, and he basically said, I need help. Uh, and and that, kind of, that kind of set the stage for – because, I mean, he came out in the first round two straight years, uh, and that kind of set the stage for the big three. And I just want to get to this uh, – a couple things. We'll do these quickly with you. First, did it ever bother you that you didn't – a part of what came next uh, of the big three era well actually i had a chance to be a part of it so it didn't bother me because uh i had i could have been i had a chance to sign a one-year deal as like you know after everything shook out everybody started signing one-year deals and stuff with them 
So I was one of the uh, first people that Riley had, you know, Riley talked to and everything. Me and Jeff went in and we sat, and um, I wanted to make it a point to go in and talk to Pat face to face because I felt like what he had done for me as far as, you know, coming in and trading for me and giving me an opportunity to come there from New York, I felt like that was uh, imperative to, to where I was, you know, giving me, that was like a second chance, in my opinion, for me in my in my career. So I uh, felt it, I felt that it was important for me to go in and talk to him and let him know what what was what was going on face to face. But like I had a four year deal from Orlando at that time and all they had for me was a one year deal. And I knew throughout the process, like after I mean obviously after they signed the big three and everything, I had, you know, um Jeff spoke to Riley them early after that. Obviously, nobody knew what was going on until the whole decision and everything like that went down. But, like, you know, everything started happening pretty quickly after that. So he had spoke, my agent Jeff had spoken to him. And then we were weighing our options as far as, like, you know, I was knowing that they got to win a championship. But then it's like, do you go, it's a one-year deal. And then, you know, it's late in my career. It's like, you need, you know what I'm saying, if you, if you can get years, you need the years. You know, so that's a smart move for me. So it turned out that, you know, Orlando came with a four-year deal. So it was like, that's a no-brainer. You got to take the four-year deal. So it was like, that was what what came down to me leaving Miami because I didn't want to take a one-year deal. I remember you getting into it a little bit with LeBron in, a, I think it was a preseason game right after that, right? Like the first year? I, I, I seem to recall you, you guys had a, you guys had some, some... Yeah, no, we. I don't think it was the preseason, but yeah, we had a little... We had a, we had a little worthy thing. And, uh, it, was, it was actually here in Orlando at, at, yep. at, a, at a home game. Yep, I remember it. Uh, no, I was I, I was sitting courtside, and I remember it. Um, all right, a couple more things here. The big three era in general, um, how do you characterize it? Because I, I, to me, it's the most important basketball team of the last 25 years because of not only sort of changing basketball in a lot of ways with pace and space and, and the way that they played and getting to the four finals, but, but also what they did sort of culturally, right? Like the Trayvon Martin uh, – you know, photos that LeBron and, and Wade orchestrated, the Harlem Shake and everything else, the media pressure, which I don't think it ever, I don't think any team has ex- had experienced before or since. I think Golden State has it easy compared to what, what the Heat had. Uh, your impre- and then Dwayne, and also Dwayne's kind of struggle through some of it, like with injuries the last two years. I know you mentioned Tim working with Grover and, and Tim was trying to get him through a lot of that stuff. Uh, do you think overall, how do you think the big three teams with, with Dwayne being a big part of it will be regarded ultimately in history? Man, I, I hope they be respected. What they did was unbelievable. They were like, like you said, they were like, they were like the dream team. <laughs> like with the way that they were covered and, and just like greeted in every city, like at hotels, like, like I, I think about like when, you know, everybody's been on a team bus when you get that, like I, I've seen different videos and stuff. At, during that time period, or different, you know, on social media videos of them arriving places, they were like the, like, I remember they called themselves the Heatles because they were for real, like, they were like the dream team. Everywhere they went, it was people trying to get a glimpse, cameras, you know what I'm saying, paparazzi type scenarios, like fans everywhere, pictures, everything. So it was like, and then you had, you had that part of it, but like you said, no team had been hated like they were. And for me, that was tough to see bro in that position because I think it was so overwhelming at that time that like he was, he, he was so like thrown back. He didn't know which way to look and who to look at the right way. Like, wait a minute, like this is, this is unfamiliar territory, like nothing. And he had, you know, like, all truth be told, he had done nothing wrong. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like anybody committed some crime or did something to warrant this type of craziness that was going on. So it was like, that was, I think that was tough for me to look at and see him, you know, have to deal with that. Cause I don't, I feel, I don't feel like that first year was, was that fun for them. I think a portion of it was, but I think it went real fast from like the glitz and the glamour to like, yo, this is, this is like hard and this ain't like as fun as we thought it was going to be. But I think, after that first year, they all kind of got together and, and decided that, hey, we're not going to let the outside noise dictate how we are. We're going to, you know, we're going to be who we are and have fun and do our thing. And then I think they, you know, so their true selves kind of came through. But, I mean, I look at it as, like, they were, they were, you know, they were, they were dominant. They didn't win all of the championships like they were saying, but, like, man, they was, they was, 
they was box offices. They was like the the, the lobs and the plays and some of those iconic plays that D Wade and LeBron got touchdown passes from one end, alley oops, and like like they what they did was a was a movement. Like they literally like it'll be documentaries and thirty for thirties done on that on that time period. So I think I, I don't know why they wouldn't be respected. They got two chips. Like those are championships. Those matter. <laughs> yeah, they didn't get not however many they was counting up to, but to get two back to back. That's like it's people out here that had all time teams that didn't win a championship. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That they didn't get one. Carl Malone Stockton, Pat Ewing and the Knicks, they never got one. And they like an all time team. So I mean, why wouldn't that team get their their proper respect? They got two. Yeah, and I think Bron if Bron had stayed, I, I think they might have gotten more if they if they'd been able to reshuffle. Oh yeah, they would have extended it. They would have got yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, cause the truth of it is, it was always gonna be somebody that was willing to say, man, I just, I'm gonna go get one with them. Yep. Like, why wouldn't I? Right, like Ray and Shane did basically, which is and both of them ended yeah. up, both of them ended up contributing to it. I I always wonder though, you would have looked good on that team though, because I mean, they they could have. I mean, to have another three-point shooter, you look at all the guys that they had spraying from three, but also a guy who could defend on the perimeter, you know, which is, you know, because Shane at that stage, you know, kind of moved to the four a little bit. But, but to have another wing defender with that group, with the way that they attacked passing lanes, um, <laughs> would, have been, would, have, would have been interesting. I do want to go with you, though, to sort of the after effect of it. What was because you knew? I mean, you speak of the Riley way. Uh, you speak kind of reverentially of the organization. Um, we didn't expect to happen in 2016 what happened between Dwayne and Pat. And you know, 2015 it almost happened, and then the Arisons kind of moved in and saved it. You know, and Dwayne signed the one-year deal and kind of put it off. But as you look back on it now, I, I mean, did. I mean, does it bother you at all that Dwayne couldn't spend his whole career here? I mean, I know you have the Chicago tie, obviously, but we kind of try to forget the Bulls and Cavs period down here. I mean, what did what was your impression of I that? Do from too. I don't. I, I do too. I don't. I I, I try to uh, not. Every time I see highlights and stuff, that it looks weird to me. And I mean, <laughs> you know, I I never. To be honest, I never even asked asked Dwayne about it. I never I never asked him the what, the why. I just you know I would just always say like when he got back to the Heat, I told him like, yo, bro, I'm happy that you got back. This is the way it's supposed to be. And then you know he had that big time shot, the game winner when he first got back early in his return. I was like, dude, this is what this is the way it's supposed to look. Like it's not supposed to look any other way. So I mean I don't I don't really know the ins and outs. I mean I, obviously I've heard and read different things like everybody else, but I never really asked them personally and asked them like what it what why that went down that way and what have you. So I'm just glad that whatever it was that everything got rectified and he's back where he's supposed to be. Him and Pat are cool, and him and Eric, the Harrisons all are got love and everything is everything is everything as far as that goes, and that's the way it should be. But you say, and I asked him the same question at All-Star Q. I said, why not? Do you ever think about it? Like, middle of the night, I'm still putting up 22 on certain nights. Why not? Why, why, why not do the Manu thing, as you said? Like, why not play 20 to 25 minutes off the bench for the next three years as Pat tries to rebuild this? Why do you think he's retiring now? What, what do you think the reason is? Because his, his body clearly can take it. Like, we don't even talk about back-to-backs with him anymore. Like, that was the, the big story for three years. Like, Dwayne can't play back-to-backs. Now it's like the only games he's missed this year are for his child, really. Like, other than that, he's pretty much played the whole way through. Why do you think this has been it for him? Um, I don't know. I mean, I haven't really asked him that, but maybe because, you know, he wants to spend more time with his family now. He feels like he's done this this long and at, at this high of a level, and um, maybe he doesn't want to see himself get diminished. I mean, you know what I'm saying, where, where he still can't go out and do and be the B-Wade that everybody knows or that he expects to be. I think that's probably the bigger thing, just to, just looking at it himself, like how, how much he has to do to stay the way he is and, and to do all those things, maybe he, he doesn't feel like that he, he wants to continue to put that much into it. You know, his son is playing high school ball now. He's becoming a player. And, like, you know, he want to spend time with, with now his new daughter and his younger son. So maybe those things have, have become more to the forefront as the whole basketball thing has become started to wind down. I mean, bros had a lot of injuries. 
you know, I don't know how, not to say, like you say, he, he, he's fine, he's been out there, but like, maybe he said he want to stay that way and he don't want to, you know, do what Kobe did toward the end and um and, and be tearing stuff up. Like, and that those extra couple years could do that possibly. I mean, I'm with you guys. I felt like, I told him, I said, man, you could get you a couple, couple more of you, you know, but like I say, the, the, the heat way isn't the same way as everywhere else. Like, you know what I'm saying? With D-Wade being there, he's still working. He's still, you know what I'm saying? He's not showing up and, and just sitting on the side where everybody working and then he just play. Nah, D-Wade in there, he's leading by example. That's why those guys love him the way they do because they looking at him at, at the point in his career he is and who, who he is that he's still showing up and he's putting in what he's supposed to put in. And, and that's the only way you can be in the Heat organization if you're doing what you're supposed to do. I got to ask you on the way out. Are you in or are you out on the Dwayne Wade braids? Now I'm in. I'm all in on the braids. And the fact that he got a buzzer beater in the braids, an all-time moment, to me made me so happy because I love them. But I got to know, are you, like, you see him with the braids and, like, what do you say? Hey, I just literally told him this last, was it last, yesterday. <laughs> I told him, I say, I, he had a picture of I'm all for it. I say, dude. I told him, first of all, I had to, you know, I had, to, I had to throw some shade at him. So I told him, first of all, you, yeah, I said, I said, first of all, you feel ugly before I say anything. I said, you feel ugly. I say, but man, I said, I said, I said, I said, you know, I had to tell him that before I give him a compliment. But I, I say, bro, it was a picture with him and both of his sons. I say, man, that does not look like a picture of a of a of a dad and his two sons. I say, you look like a big brother with his two younger brothers in the picture. And I said, man, I say, you, I say, that's a blessing, bro. You still look, you know, what I'm saying, super young. But you know, I had to throw the ugly comment in that first. Q, thanks for doing this, man. We really, really appreciate it. Um, great stuff. We're gonna get this up for everybody uh, overnight. And uh, and like I said, you are you are one of the stars of of my co-host here's favorite ever Heat season. Heat lifer, dude. Quentin Richardson. Lifer. Heat lifer. <laughs> one year Heat lifer. Yeah, one year. That. I legit, Ethan. Like legit. Q's a Heat lifer. I appreciate that. Appreciate that, fellas. Thank you for listening to the Fire Ringer Podcast. Thank you so much. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.